episode 125 of amari purple talk the music podcast talking about prince prince related artists music videos and everything in the purple world of sound joining me this week is the one and only mr rain baker the curator of the listen to prince blog and website welcome back to the show mr baker how you doing I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, cool, cool. It's good to have you back. Yeah, we we conquered the gold experience the last time, and I guess the Prince Estate was listening very closely because we got the <laughs> the remat the vinyl and the CD reissued. All is well with the world. But this week, uh, we're going to talk about the hits one and two. And the question is, does it kind of leave Prince fans out in the cold for the winter? Um, if you remember last week, I was talking about how the B-Sides was never a, was never part of a separate release. You had to buy the whole set. Um, I think going forward, the B-Sides are going to be reserved for past and present or excuse me, past and future super deluxe editions. And while the hits and the B-sides, while it's still a great idea, or it was a great idea for 1993, I don't really see how it holds up now other than that it's that memento from the past that if you were a fan of that compilation, now's your chance to reown it in physical form. So going to throw the question over to Mr. Baker and I don't know what are your thoughts on the the hits the B-sides did you enjoy it then do you think it's a good idea now you know I I I think you're kind of right where the hits the B-sides that like at least that compilation was better served in 93 than it is now mostly because in 93 it was still kind of fresh and relevant to here's the the career of this amazing artist who has put out pretty much an album a year since he debuted in case you don't have all that here's a sampling of everything to reissue all that now that's still kind of saying remember when prince was with warner brothers (laughs) don't don't you want to go back to that yeah i mean it's it's nice that it's there but there's been so many different compilation, greatest hits compilations, not just the the main ones that we know. There's the the promo ones that were made. And, um, you know, they could have done something where it was kind of an update greatest hits. Instead, it's the radio edits greatest hits from the Warner Brothers years. Yeah. You know, it it is kind of dated. I don't think the concept itself is dated. Um, you know, there's, you know, 38 albums that they officially acknowledge as Prince records. And by my count, there's, you know, closer to 83 because 
you know, the Jill Jones record was right. a Prince album. All the time records were Prince albums, you know, and so on and so on. The family, yeah. <laughs> the family, Madhouse. Um, but there's just been so much that it's like they want to ignore that there was the second half of the career. And while it's kind of nice to just have a reissues of all the original catalog, um, they just did this one a couple of years ago on the purple vinyl. So it's kind of like, why are we doing it again? So soon there yeah. was, there was forever. There was ultimate. There was, you, you could make a new greatest hits compilation that maybe goes beyond 93 or 95 or, you know, includes musicology and guitar and what really should have been the planet or a single of the one you want to see. But, you know, all right, there's just so much other music that they could have done. If they were going to release it, I, I would argue that the B sides is what needed the release because the B sides album was my introduction. I mean, I was, I was 13 when it came out. That was my introduction to, there was this whole world of music that I didn't even know because it wasn't on the albums. And while the B-sides might be relegated for special editions in the future, so are the radio edits, which most of the hits is a radio edit. Right. Yeah. So it's it's kind of the same argument there. Yeah, you know, I found it odd even back then that a track like A Door, which was never single, they never played the full-length version. Now, mm -hmm. I guess you can argue Warner Brothers was like, oh, well, you can you still have to go buy that Sign of the Times album. And I don't know, maybe they were trying to still recoup some money from, you know, those past albums. I mean, I don't know how much in-debt Prince was at that point, but. It waxed and waned. Yeah, but it was, yeah, it was just odd that you didn't have that. You didn't have something like, say, Bat Dance or Mountains as part of that collection. You know, and it was weird because you did have that as part of the collection if you bought the singles that went with it. So the controversy maxi singles had like acknowledged the Batman singles. It acknowledged mountains. Um, did it acknowledge mountains? I think it did. Yeah, mountains, let's see. Mountains was on forever. I don't think it was on the, the hit. But I mean, like the, the controversy singles that were kind of like satellite releases along with um, the hits. There were two versions of it. Uh, one four-track version had three extra greatest hits B-sides, and then uh. the other four-track version had three different B-sides. Then they were all kind of released concurrently with the hits. Wow, okay. Yeah, see, I missed out on... See, I can pull that up real quick. There we go. Oh, excuse me. It was another lover, not mountains, that was on one of the the four the four track versions of controversy. Ah, okay. But yeah, I mean it. Um, the parade B sides, like uh, Alexa de Paris, isn't on that right. as well. You know. Um, and Batman's only 
only show up on that entire set is 200 balloons. Maybe they, that is... it's been a while since I've looked at, looked at the hits. Mostly I don't go back to the hits collection because I had all of them. So I didn't really stick the hits in very often. Yeah, I know your your incentive for getting the B sides uh, it's similar to to mine um, because I had all of them either as seven inch singles or the uh, twelve inch singles, which nine times out of ten ended up being extended versions or the actual versions of those B sides. It was the novelty of finally having something of that on CD. Yeah. Well, and having it all together to where you didn't have to try to hunt it down because I know growing up in Indianapolis, I wasn't able to find almost any of them. Like it was amazing when I was able to find 1-800-NEW-FUNK in 94 in a record store. It's like, what? There's a Prince album that's not the album. Like it's something to the side. Like it was amazing that I could even find that. Wow. All, uh, okay, go ahead. All of the Batman era B sides are on the singles that were related to uh, the hits. So, like Pink Cashmere had the remix of the future. Um, Peach had Party Man, I think. Huh. Okay. Yeah. So, like the edit of Party Man. So there were Batman representation, but only on the singles, and since the singles for the greatest hits compilation, uh, which is a weird thing to have anyway, Mm -hmm. just in general singles for a greatest hits compilation. But yeah, they had things that were not on the actual album. Yeah. Yes. Pretty interesting compilation, even for then, because it was a compilation. He, didn't give like 100% uh, input into the making of the project. And yeah, it's, that's a whole thing where he, he wanted to, and they essentially like, this is like an extreme dumbing down of what happened, but they essentially paid him to not be part of it so that it could come out on their timetable, not on his. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, you know, again, there are people that, Love this compilate. Well, yeah, not based on what I've seen on social media the last <laughs> couple of weeks. <laughs> there are people that do enjoy it, and that's cool. You know, if this is uh, one of your favorites, you know, you finally get to have it on physical media. Uh, like I, I mean, said, oh, it's go a good collection. It's mm-hmm. a good collection. I mean, it's got all the the broad strokes that anybody who's not familiar with the '80s work. It's got everything that you need to get a good put to put in college terms that 100 to 100 level uh just introduction to the prince catalog it's not going to have some of the deeper stuff like Mm. you know there's no dmsr on here but but you know no but you know again it's um i was saying the week before that it yeah it is a very good introduction you know if you're a newbie or a casual fan it is something that is very nice to have um i think for me i'm just looking forward to you know we're in this phase of you know this is now 
a legacy, mm. you know, that we're dealing with and no longer an actual human being that's still performing and still writing. And to kind of keep his entire career in perspective, which, you know, he was always forward thinking um, and really at the sacrifice of his legacy to constantly, you know, keep the focus on the here and now. And I think to kind of honor that would be to honor the entire body of work. Now, mind you, the 80s, that's pretty much the financial foundation. You know, without that Mm. period, there'd be no 90s. There would be no 2000s. Right. So, yeah, definitely honor that and celebrate it. And, you know, for a lot of us that were around then, yeah, it's nostalgic. It feels good. Um, But, you know, I remember, you know, his career was still unfolding. I never jumped off the bandwagon. There were things I weren't a fan of, but, you know, I always figured, okay, this album isn't for me, but the next one will be. Mm. So, I, you know, I think going forward, you know, the estate should look at something that, you know, honors the entire body of work. And granted, this is a chance to put a product out on the shelves that had been out of print for a long time. And I get that. But I still think that it's time to keep the whole thing in perspective. Like, okay, let's celebrate the 80s. You know, that was the foundation. Okay, now let's move on to the 90s. Let's celebrate that. Let's move on to the 2000s and celebrate that. Yeah, I feel like they tried to do that with Anthology. The 95 through whatever set that they did. Mm -hmm. But that was such a low-hanging fruit. Like, they literally grabbed two tracks off of almost everything and said, ah, we'll just put these on there. It'll be one long, massive playlist with no real direction or unity or thought to how we're going to put it in order. And it just, it felt like a mess listening to it, but it did have the broad strokes of what you would want for that, that last half of the career, just, you know, at that time, no most beautiful girl in the world, which was kind of a shame. But that's yeah. a whole other thing. Yeah. Well, now we got it back. So. Now we got it back in an yeah. unfortunate way, but we got it back. Yeah. But, you know, it's, um, I feel that there should be someone to like really curate that type of compilation where, yes, you know, it's fine. You know, you got to have some hits on it. But like you said, not just pick any two songs from each project, but something that has some significance like say yeah like maybe a dmsr would be one of the selections or you know select a hard rock lover or select um i don't know what's uh you know what's the universal favorite on something like planet earth you know one of those tracks is there a universal favorite (laughs) on planet earth Well, everybody knows that that is my favorite <laughs> Prince album. <laughs> it's um, better than Purple Rain. It's but no, it's <laughs> <laughs> no, that album, uh, the one you want to see. I just always feel like that's such a missed opportunity. That could have been the summer anthem, but they went with guitar instead. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, they did make a video of somewhere here on Earth. That is the one song I do like from that album 
Well, he did make a video of that, but still. Oh, they finally put the video of one you want to see up on the YouTube. You're right. Yeah. You know, I haven't had a chance to look at it, though, but I've seen. Yeah, it's fun. I've like seen it, the thumbnail. It's perfect summer. It would have been a perfect summer 2007 video and it just sat on the shelf. Yeah. See, that's why we need someone to curate that. <laughs> and yet, they need somebody who's a fan but somebody who can take a step back from being a fan at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they have those people in that circle and all the people that I see really wanting to jump up and do that job. I mean, I'm one of them, but you know, that's, <laughs> that's a whole other thing, but all the people I see very, very vehemently petitioning to be that person mm. cannot step back from being a fan to realize that maybe this one's a little too, too tongue in cheek for, you know, commercial sake. Yeah. Uh, but again, you know, if, if you're doing like an anthology and something like that, where you need a volume one and volume two, you know, maybe two, three, four CDs a piece, then it's about the work that is the most artistic, the work that was the most celebrated. Um, not only again, just the hits, but the deep tracks, some of the B sides, and you know, something that would give a complete balance to his career. And yeah. you know, you know, so I guess, uh, like comparing the red and blue albums, you know, there are a lot of people that just love the blue album, you know, and as opposed to the red one, and then there are people that enjoy both, you know, to complete the set. So I think you know I think yeah. Prince deserves something like that. Yeah, there's definitely work enough for it. Oh yeah. But what's most important is what do everyone out in purple in the purple music yeah, why am I I can't talk today. <laughs> <laughs> everyone in the musical, oh, so I'm doing it again, the purple musical singularity. What do you think? Um are you left out in the cold? Um, do you feel like that the hits in the B-sides, it's another cash grab or the decision makers, they don't know what they're doing? Or do you think it's a great idea? Leave me a comment and let me know your thoughts. And kind of on a related note, the next topic is why we may not see a major release from the estate until the Netflix documentary. And the Prince documentary, that is the most anticipated project from the estate, from Netflix, for me. Um, I know we were discussing before the show about the length of it, you know, and how this would have to be a multi episode, you know, each one being a hour and a half, two hours to really tell Prince's narrative, you know, um, give it justice. Uh, But yeah, it's the most anticipated project for me. And I feel that with the, the way that Netflix does things, they have access to all of the, film footage, the vault material, and they want to keep it as exclusive as possible. So 
I don't know, best analogy I can give is the Marvel Netflix shows where they had the rights to Daredevil, Jessica Jones. And then when they decided to cancel those shows, part of that clause was that Marvel couldn't produce any content utilizing those characters for two years. So I'm guessing this might be the same thing with the Prince documentary, where everything is saved just for that. And then whatever time period, a year, two years, then if you see concert footage in the Netflix documentary, then a year or two later, you might see a standalone Blu-ray of that concert. Or if they utilize vault tracks, then if it's not going to be on a Prince documentary soundtrack for Netflix, then, you know, a year or two, it'll turn up on a super deluxe edition or special compilation. I don't know, Rain, what do you... What are your thoughts on the Netflix documentary? Yeah, so like we were kind of talking about earlier, I really wonder what direction they're going to be going with it. Just, I mean, you can look at a three, any three, any three year period in Prince's career, and that could be to even do it remote justice, a 10 hour documentary and that's even only hitting the highlights you know i mean mm-hmm. if you were to look at the true revolution years which would be 83 through 86 there was a whole career for most artists in that time frame to yeah, where true. If it's going to be a six-hour documentary series how are you going to do that justice you know um you might be able to do the revolution justice in that but what about excuse me what about um, Eric Leeds' role and all of that? What about the family? What about Jill mm. Jones? What about Madhouse? Um, Greg Brooks and Wally and Jerome. What about Jerome deciding to do that Janet Jackson video and being essentially pushed out of the print circle? For oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much that you're really going to have to pick and choose what's important to this narrative and then it becomes all about the narrative so like like i was saying before the the sign of the times box set was great for the content that it had musically but all of the written content that came with it really felt like it was remember the revolution the revolution the revolution there was almost nothing about the sign of the times tour which is extremely interesting in how some of the stuff went down on that tour and there was nothing about the sign of the times band, you know, which how, how did Sheila E go from being uh, an act that was being pushed in her own right to being the drummer for Prince's band, mm-hmm. Miko and Levi just being in the band. Why was Fink the only one kept from the revolution as part of the band, even though Bobby Z was still under contract for a few years. You right. Know? Like, there was so much that was interesting with that time period. And all it was, was the Wendy and Lisa version of the revolution. That's all it talked about. So there was a narrative going on with it. Mm -hmm. And it only tells, you know, a quarter of the story, not even, you know, so I, and maybe it's because I work at a university to where I'm always leery of the documentaries that they show there to begin with. Um, (laughs) They always, there's always some portion that's left out that I feel like, is this going to be focused on just an era 
And if so, how are they focusing on it? Or is this going to be covering the full career and we're going to get an e-true Hollywood story version of it that's going to sensationalize whatever it can to try to keep you coming back for the next episode? I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of leery of mm. the documentary. And uh, I, I, I hate to think that you're right with uh, being a couple years before we'd see anything coming from that. But man, I bet you are. You know, anything that gets used in that is probably going to try to go with the old school version of, well, they, they know it's there. Let's keep them on the hook for a while and build that build that that just salivation for it and then we'll finally give it to them Mm. and it's not that world anymore people want it instantly they don't get it instantly they're going to forget it Mm. i mean just the prince fans aren't going to forget it i was going to say yeah uh, but the focus for almost any project are the casual fans are the people who aren't already the initiated because they know they've got our dollars I mean, they know that they have a guaranteed sale from somebody who hosts a Prince podcast or writes a Prince blog. You know, they they know they have that sale. Mm. It's the other sales that they're hoping to increase their money with. So I don't, it just, I feel like the estate's going with some old school business mentality. And it's, if you're right about the way that the uh, uh, Netflix document material, might might end up shaking out i i feel like it's just an antiquated mentality yeah and remember that these decisions were made while everything was under comerica bank right so you didn't have the full cooperation of the actual family members even before some of them sold out to primary wave and those that sold out to primary wave their lawyer dues bills were due. Like they, they had to pay those and that was the way out. And I'm sure they didn't really want to, but you know, you got those crushing bills on top of you and they're talking about taking away your home or whatever they were doing. I don't know if that's actually what was happening, but um, when they demand their money, they're going to let you know that they're demanding their their money. money. Right. (laughs) So, and if primary wave comes along and says, Hey, we'll give you this to get you out, out from under that. They're probably going to take it. Yeah. And if I understand correctly, I think they still have some decision-making process. You know, they're still involved in that area of it, I think. That I don't know. I haven't looked into all that too much. Uh, Mostly just kind of waiting to see how things start shaking out and then figure then look into it and figure out what is actually going on. Yeah, they, they've been quiet, extremely quiet. So hopefully they're making some major plans. You know, because when you got 2024 coming up, so another Purple Rain anniversary and hopefully a better super deluxe of that. But, you know, bringing it back to the Netflix documentary, um, I mean, uh, the director, Ezra Elderman, um, I mean, I've seen some of the 30 for 30 stuff. I've seen, you know, OJ made in America Mm. and he's a pretty solid documentary director. So I'll, you know, I'll give him credit with that one. Um, But again, like you said, the narrative, you know, what's it going to be since these were decisions that were uh, 
made without the family, I guess. I'm I'm just assuming that I don't have any inside information. Right. But assuming that these were decisions that were made without their full input, then yeah, is it going to say, is it going to whitewash some of Prince's history? Is it going to focus, you know, on the sensationalism of his passing? Is it going to focus on like you said, is it just going to focus on Purple Rain and nothing else? Or, you know, and, but I'm guessing it's going to be about eight episodes. That seems about the usual length for something of that nature. Yeah. I'm, and that's what Give I'm hoping. Take. Yeah. I'm hoping for, yeah, about eight episodes and spending a, you know, a good hour and a half, two hours each episode to where you can kind of put, everything into context you know begin and have it have a beginning middle and end and to have it as balanced as possible you know we won't be able to avoid you know the tragic details of his passing but like you said don't have it be like episodic television where okay yeah this is his life story but now we're going to foreshadow is taking drugs, or we're going to foreshadow this, or we're going to foreshadow that, and then it builds to this, you know, big crime scene drama. Yeah, at the end. And you know, I haven't kept up with the documentary since Ava. Uh, um, it's on the tip of my tongue. Duvernay. Yeah, Ava yeah, Duvernay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That there we go. Um, I haven't kept up with it since she departed the project. Because uh, for a while I was sending in, uh, not exactly a resume, but uh, a request to to assist mm. <laughs> to to those offices every day, pretty much. But uh, when she was in charge of it, some of the things that I was hearing, I was hopeful for it because it wasn't the little bits I was hearing here and there. It wasn't going to be trying to cover everything. It wasn't going to try to be the end all be all of it it was going to focus on you know this this chunk we're going to focus on for this this part of it we're mm-hmm. going to focus on this chunk for this part of it and be very upfront that everything was huge and this is just you know tiniest little bit but uh, i haven't really looked much into how it's shaping up now partially because i i don't have netflix anymore but this mm. might be the reason why I, I get Netflix back. Yeah. Well, trust me, there there's no trailer. <laughs> oh, I, there's if no, there was there's a trailer, no I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to step up my video game. So, <laughs> so I could be ready for that reaction video when they do there drop, you go. The, <laughs> drop the trailer. <laughs> yeah, of course, there's no banner next to the Netflix banner saying coming December 25th, you know. <laughs> But yeah, I you know, but I'm optimistic. And I think because of the mystery, uh, because of the change in directors, uh, and then you had, I think was it last summer or summer before, you know, you had Kat that kind of walked off the project and then came mm. back uh because she felt it was gonna be something that was gonna be, you know, kind of tabloid. Yeah, to Kat's credit, she is very protective of anything that she's going to be a part of 
that talks about Prince to where she feels like it's not going to do it justice or if it's going to try to lead it in a direction that may not be accurate. She's very vocal about not wanting to be part of something like that. I, I have yeah. mad respect for Kat in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. And there's been some positive things that have been said too by other participants. Um, but, you know, they did work it out. And if I'm not mistaken, Kat did come back to participate in the documentary. But like I said, you know, I respect her, you know, respect her decision. And yeah, and granted, you know, somebody should be protective of the legacy. And that's one of the funny things with uh, just Prince in general that, you know, a lot of people got, I don't want to say the short end of the stick and their deal with Prince, but they're fiercely loyal. Yeah. You know, like the way Kat ended up leaving was akin to the way that Paul ended up leaving. And, you know, they're, they're both still, still, even though that was Rocky for a while, they're fiercely loyal and they don't want to make, they don't want to leave a stain on it. So it, if somebody who left Prince's orbit in that strong of a way, and they're still wanting to make sure that no, this this isn't doing that right. I'm I'm out. That says a whole lot. Yeah. And it's so. yeah, and it's 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 show business, not friend business. And right. you know, everybody has been through the ups and the downs, and they understand that. It it reminds me a lot of like Sly Stone, you know, the the family stone regardless of what happened in any given period, they never have a bad thing to say about. Them. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're just they, as protective as well. Yeah. So I'm glad and to they see they definitely that. could. They mm-hmm. definitely could, but oh, they, yeah. they don't. And that's because, you know, I, it's something that unless you're, you've been in the, that band situation, you don't get, um, that's your family. It's like, you know, that, hmm that drunken uncle that you you can't stand to be around at Christmas, but don't you say something about him. Right. <laughs> That's true. So I, like I said, I'm still optimistic about it. And again, this is still probably the most anticipated project for me because I'm, I'm hoping it's a balanced, you know, project uh, looking forward to lots of, things i've never seen before hoping to learn some things from it yeah i'm hopeful i'm hopeful that it'll be that way (laughs) yeah if if not we'll do an episode about that (laughs) (laughs) if anybody remembers my rant about uh you know, Morris Day not having access to the time anymore. If anybody's heard that episode. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we try to Prince keep it a point with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but no, that wasn't, but that wasn't, I mean, I get when, <laughs> when Prince was alive, I get that part, but the thing with Comerica Bank and oh yeah, that, uh, that, that part of it. Yeah, that was the rant. <laughs> no, I, I don't want to get you riled up again. <laughs> 
because I remember that episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway, let's see. What what do you guys think about the Prince uh, Netflix documentary? Are you anxious to see it? What things would you like to learn from it or looking forward to as far as unseen footage, vault tracks? I also want a soundtrack, just like the Zappa thing. You know, three album, three CD set. You know, full of vault tracks, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I mean, you know, and if anyone's listening, have it be a, you know, have the music tell the story as well. You know, even if it's alternate versions yeah. of the songs yeah. that were released. Yeah. You know, e- even that would give the people who already have everything as it came out, that would give them a reason to be interested in it. Yeah. You know, um, you know, have it be like a, you know, just some, you know, like the Power Fantastic where there's the studio chatter mm-hmm. at the beginning. You know, have the soundtrack include a lot of those elements of it. Yeah, so many of those, just the basic tracks version would be just incredible to hear what it sounded yeah. like in its original form, you know? Oh, yeah. That'd be nice. Yep. So, Estate, Singer cards and letters <laughs> to rain and richard and <laughs> <laughs> all right so we've sent our resumes to the prince estate hopefully they'll give us a call tomorrow <laughs> i'm hoping <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I, I can't keep giving away these ideas for free no <laughs> Yeah, that's why I had to scale back the blog a little bit. I had somebody look at it and like, you know, you're giving this all away for free. <laughs> you know, you're right. <laughs> Gold experience reissue. That was my idea. <laughs> when I see them, they're going to get my money. <laughs> all right. So we're going to move on to the segment called Purple Pieces. And that's just little tidbits of news that has happened in the purple world within the last week. And we're going to start with the reissue of Velvet Rope, the deluxe edition by Janet Jackson, which dropped on October 7th in time for its 25th anniversary. And we also have Kevin Smith announces his Rainbow Children era footage will be in the Prince Netflix documentary. All right, Rain, so which one of those topics uh, jump out at you first? Mostly the Janet Jackson, because it just means I'm getting old. <laughs> I remember when Velvet Rope dropped. Yeah, no. I mean, it seemed like yesterday. Uh, it seems like last week, but... <laughs> no, that, that, you know, it dropped, redropping recently uh it caused me to pull it back out because i'm old i have the original cd and just i don't know why i pulled that out of my regular rotation because that is just such a good record just start to finish like i i it's just such a good record yeah yeah i mean i mean i played it a lot when it was out and i don't think i've listened to it i don't know maybe 
like 99, early 2000s. Maybe it was the last time I really listened to it. Um, but since it dropped, I took an opportunity to give it a listen. And as far as the original album itself, man, that is some amazing production. I mean, just the, the melodies are just beautiful. The, um, you know, the songwriting is very solid. Yeah, I mean it's and, a it's a whole statement. Like it, there there's not a track in there that if you pulled it out, you would feel like it was stronger for. Like it, everything is vital to it. Like it, mm. it's just such a good record. Like start to finish, it's one of those that I, I remember. I because I have a sound recording degree, and I remember I was asked to come up with five records that I thought, you know, the, the production was just solid. And while Velvet Rope wasn't in my list, because I had to really, really narrow it down, it was one of those. Like, I'm just, you know, since we were talking a little bit about it before the show, I'm just starting to really remember, like, that was uh, a go-to, you know, put the candles on and, you know, at the end of the date, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it if you remove a piece from it, the whole body of work is weaker for having that removed. There's nothing you would want to add to it because it's a complete set statement of its own. I mean, it's, she knocked it out of the park with, with that one. And yeah, I, I just don't know why it ever dropped off of my, my regular rotation. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, there was, all for you, but then again, that was what five years later, and then she's had, you know, of course, albums, you know, several albums since even that one. Yeah, you know, and I, yeah, I remember people kind of going back to it, but like I said, I never really had the need to go back to it, and I, I don't know why, because like I said, listening to it now, it's like, man, that is just that's something you just kick back and you just get immersed into the experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, even listening to the, you know, the bonus cuts, which are just like the extended versions of a lot of the singles. Um, it was one, I didn't realize, you know, Jay Dilla had done a remix of, you know, uh, got before it's gone. You know, I didn't realize that. Um, it was one Get So Lonely. There's the uh the Teddy Riley remix. Now I was aware of that one. That one got extensive uh radio play more so than the original single did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh but even just the remixes, um they you know, they're companion pieces to the original album, I think. You know, they're just just so sonically solid. You know, in the production. So you had Jam and Lewis that did the production work for the original album. And like I said, having all these heavy hitters for the remixes. Yeah, I mean, wow. And then, the, you know, it's weird because we didn't, nobody knew this was coming out. I think it was like the week before. And it's like Velvet Broke reissued, you know, October 7th. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think... uh I think it was already out before I even knew that 
they were doing it and which which isn't a an abnormal thing these days i don't i'm not as plugged into the world of what's coming out as i used to be but that's mostly just because there's so much coming out all the time you, you can't stay ahead of all of it but yeah this was out and i didn't even know that it was coming but it was a, it was one of those nice little surprises like oh oh yeah oh that was 25 years ago yeah it's still solid though yeah and i don't see i don't see it available on physical media at all there was a reissue of uh velvet rope on vinyl but just the original album and as i'm looking on amazon now it's saying that it's currently unavailable it does say it's a limited edition too you know honestly with a reissue i'm fine with that like Mm. if it's available digitally that's great but you know you can probably still find the original out there somewhere oh yeah yeah i still have my original cd so yeah i mean i I still have so i haven't tried looking for it but i'm certain you can probably find it out there without doing too much heavy lifting yeah yeah and you know it's it's good you know she's focused on you know still touring still coming up with new music um but i'm happy that she's focusing on the legacy you know um celebrating this album's 25th anniversary um you know major vinyl reissue campaign i think was it the year before all those were out especially the um the control remixes you know that i think that's Mm -hmm. still available on physical media from that reissue campaign so yeah so you know this is an amazing album um you know, hopefully one day it'll be on some kind of physical media, but at least it's on streaming to where everybody can enjoy it. So by all means, check it out. Um, moving on to the Kevin Smith uh, dropping an interview in The Guardian uh, where he was asked about the Prince footage that he shot during the Rainbow Children era. Uh I would urge everyone that hasn't done so already check out on YouTube. You can find it an evening with Kevin Smith, where he tells that story about getting the assignment to film that documentary and all the chaos that ensued. (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm super interested in the, in the footage, but I'm not sure what we're going to find and or if we're going to enjoy what we find, because it sounded like, the the story I particularly remember was somebody coming up to Kevin when people were uh, critiquing the Rainbow Children uh, and saying Prince doesn't want you to have people talk about the album right now. And he, and, and Kevin's whole thought was, but this is the first truly interesting thing that we've been shooting is yeah. <laughs> what people think of the album. Well, Prince doesn't want you to talk about it. It's like, so like, what are we going to get out of that footage? Is it going to be the visuals? 
because I mean the visuals because of what was it the 2001 celebration mm-hmm. yep. yeah yeah it would have to be um, the visuals would be great to to finally see but is there going to be the dialogue to go with it and yeah I, if there's the dialogue to go with it what's it gonna what's the what story is that gonna tell well the thing is he eventually did reluctantly <laughs> at first was forced to come out of the studio and come down and answer the questions you know because they mm. were you know because the audience they were coming up to kevin smith like well what's this album about is it you know is it anti-semitic is it you know is it racist is it this is it that and yeah you know kevin was like well dude you're gonna have to come down here and answer these questions i can't answer these questions <laughs> <laughs> but once prince got down there and started you know engaging the crowd then yeah according to him it was probably the most fascinating part yeah of the entire shoot so yeah i think definitely you know because i think you would get i don't know i mean i don't know how transparent prince was you know or how open he was during those discussions but apparently he was obviously passionate about what he was thinking and how he was feeling and i think that's something that we don't really get a glimpse of you know say from an mtv interview or right sitting next to jay leno i don't think we really got that but yeah i think i think if they use that segment i think that would be the most exciting part again which would make it make that uh, netflix documentary the most anticipated maybe just for that footage by itself because i think if you know, if there is some type of a narrative and it does point to maybe what he was thinking or feeling spiritually or that evolution of his spirituality. Yeah. That's a, that's a key piece of, of film to have. Now that would be an interesting just thing to jump onto for the documentaries. If they were about celebration or xenophobia where just those were, not too many artists at that time were having seven day festivals just kind of devoted to their, their work and just celebration of music for music's sake. And without it being the horde festival type of thing, or, you know, Lollapalooza or Woodstock 95, right. <laughs> you <Ooh>. know, <laughs> which, you know, 95 was cool. 99 was a money grab, but, uh, <laughs> uh but yeah, like if the documentary even like spends an episode focusing on those, that would be rather interesting. Yeah, to see. Yeah, and I don't think it was a thing where they reached out to him. This was something they found when they were curating the vault. You know, when they were going in to see what was actually there, and as they're starting to digitize things or archive things properly. Mm. You know, somebody stumbled across it and was like, hey, what's this? Oh, this is the stuff that Kevin Smith shot. Well, let's get in touch with him since he directed it and see if he can make sense of it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Wasn't there even a story that he was telling where he went to uh, an office to meet Prince and like halfway through talking to him realized, oh, that's the stuff I shot. You've already got that cut together like how did you even get that yeah (laughs) oh yeah um 
there was a lot of stuff. The the microphones everywhere. Yeah. Because I think it was something where, like I said, if, if you haven't had a chance to check out an evening with Kevin Smith, I like I said, go check it out and have him tell the entire story. Because it is, it, it's riveting from beginning to end how Kevin gets the job. And, you know, this sequence that we're talking about, which I'm kind of drawing a blank on the exact details. But yeah, it was something um, Kevin was talking to one of the assistants or something. And then all of a sudden Prince just materializes out of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think even on the the DVD, I used to have it. I, I've, it's been lost to time, but that entire story about Prince was even it wasn't part of the actual in evening with Kevin Smith program. It was like right. a bonus feature and it's like half an hour, Yeah, but it doesn't <laughs> feel like half an hour. Like you're listening to it and it's like your college buddy telling you like the craziest story that he's ever experienced. And you're just like on the edge of your seat the whole time. Like, no, what, ha- what, <laughs> what happened next? Right. <laughs> oh, it went that way. And shock is oh, mad. <laughs> yeah. Shock is mad. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, yeah, Shaka Mag, that's great. Yeah, what does that have to do man. with this? <laughs> but no, if you can find it, that's it's an extremely yes. worthwhile watch. <laughs> I would even say buying the the DVD or Blu-ray or whatever it's released on these days. I don't know if it was even ever released on Blu-ray. Even buying it just for that is entirely worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen some subsequent um lectures that he's done similar and a lot of them are funny there's one in particular that it's it's inspiring you know if you're a creative person or you know not even a creative person but if you're thinking about a career change or just living life in general uh there's one out there that i mean it's it's powerful you know it it gives you perspective on life and living and you know we should all live our lives to the fullest but yeah but definitely check out this particular with uh filming the rainbow children era celebration definitely check that one out all right so we're going to wrap up with two items first is going to be the flashback and our flashback is on the symbol album that was the album that had its uh, what is it? 30th, 30th anniversary this past week. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Had the singles. Wow. Yeah. Uh, My name is Prince. Sexy MF. The Morning Papers. Uh, Seven, uh, which is probably the biggest single from that. Should have been the first single, but unfortunately, it was like what the fourth. Something like something that. like that, yeah. Um, this is an f- album that is loved by a lot of people and not so loved by a lot of people. Uh, it came out in 1992. Um, I was in a really crazy place in life. Um, I remember being excited for the album. Uh, I remember getting the Sexy MF, the video cassette. I think, you know, back when the industry was kind of toying with 
video cassette singles. <laughs> or maybe it was just Prince doing that. I don't know. But I remember being in a record store and seeing like, what's this sexy MF? That's Prince on the cover. <laughs> I'll, you know, I'll buy it and brought it home, popped it in. And it was, you know, bonafide music video for the single. And I mean, I like the James Brown element of it, but I'm like, okay, this is just something he's just putting out. This isn't the for real single. And turned out it was the for real single. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. And then after that was My Name is Prince. And I'm like, okay, this can't be the for real single. Yeah, this was the for real single. <laughs> <laughs> but I was still excited for the album. And I bought it day of release. And overall, I like the album. It's not a major favorite of mine. Um, not like a lot of other people, but there are songs that I enjoy on it. Again, things that I wish were lead off singles or songs that I wish would have been able to get more airplay. Um, it is kind of a concept album. And, you know, even in while that's kind of a rarity in R&B, uh, I think even in rock circles, it was kind of hard to digest as a concept album. Well, and that's just because the con the concept part of it was cut out to make room for more music, partially. Like it, there was enough of the concept left in that you could piece it together, but you really had to do some work to piece it together. Hmm. Yeah. The I don't know. Probably a lot of people know this, but the the original album had a lot of narration in the front side of it. You know, to to really set up the story but it was delivered in just this such a monotone way that it was probably better for being cut unless there's a version of that, that narration out there where they have somebody actually, you know, telling the story rather than just reading it off of a paper for the first time, as if it's the first time they've ever heard or read, or even knew that they were about to read something. I mean, it's, it's, in the city of Cairo, there was <laughs> like it, it's just it's it's got promise, but not in the hands of that narrator. Mm. And you know, I guess you know maybe Angela Bassett was busy, <laughs> and it was that left would, to... <laughs> that would have been a different <laughs> and and knowing Prince, it would have been. You know the the secretary in Paisley Park. Here, read this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, the uh, what was it? Rain Ivana was the was she the receptionist out in for Record Plant who did the NPG operator segues for yeah the Gold album yeah Gold Experience. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I'm sure it was somebody like that where it maybe was even just a placeholder and it didn't go any further than that, but yeah. it leaked out and somebody attributed to it like, Oh, it was going to be this. Yeah. No, like, I, I, this is one of the albums I remember playing over and over and over. And I remember my parents having that, that darling Mickey moment with, I want to melt with you to where like, I, I was really kind of the making stuff up on the spot. Oh no, that, that, that's what I think this means. That's <laughs> no, that, that, I don't know why there's a river of blood. Like I, I, I don't know. Like <laughs> virgins, what's this about? <laughs> my dad, whole time, like you know, 
son. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> but mom and grandma bought it, so that's the, the most important. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, see, my, you know, well, me, it was a lot earlier. See, I had to protect my 1999 album because, you know, <laughs> my, my grandmother threw away my Eddie Murphy comedian album not once, but twice. <laughs> it was like one day it mysteriously vanished. So I went and bought another copy. And then that went mysteriously. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So I learned by that point. So when the 1999 <laughs> album came out and let's pretend we're married, it would be on full blast. But when right when it got to that part, <laughs> zoop, volume goes down. <laughs> huh, the song ended early in yeah. a weird place. <laughs> It's like, I'm tired now. Let me go to the next song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I mean, this album just has so many good moments on it. I mean, you know, Pip Rags, Tootsie Pop, Razor Cane. I mean, what? <laughs> that was just, that was so cool and out there. Yeah, I mean, and completely unexpected. And yeah, I, you know, there's not even a whole lot of filler on it. It just, I can see the the arguments where it feels all over the place because stylistically, it is all over the place. You know, you've got rock, you've got funk, you've got piano jazz, you've got his first commercial brushes with techno and yeah, the whatever post 90s version of disco you whatever you want to call it you know I, it's got everything on there and to me the greatest track on there is love to the nines just because i yeah. love those i love those epics where it has so many different passages and then it just all ties right back together like arrangement wise i love love to the nines yeah is it a little bit silly yeah it's a little bit silly but it, and it that, that's only in the lyrics. It, it works as uh, as a, a piece, but just musically, like it's just it grabs you and doesn't let go. Yeah, and again, that's to me um, a track that should have garnered more attention than what was actually released. Well, as the first two singles, I think you know, "Morning Papers" was definitely a good single. Um, I mean, it would did kind of go top ten or top five. Um, seven was also like a top five hit, but I think, I think it would have gone down better if those were sort of the lead offs. And like you said, it was so much of an epic as an album, you know, even for 1992 and, you know, now we're like full on into the age of CDs and where you had so many, you know, hip hop albums kind of be that epic in scope. I mean, you know, again, you know, Prince, I always feel like there are times when he's so far ahead of his time that he kind of ends up being the one, you know, where if they're inventing the airplane, you know, his is the one that ends up crashing no matter how good it is. And then everybody that comes through after him, you know, whether it's like, you know, you see now, uh, what is it, Beyonce's latest album, um, where she's using the gun microphone now and doing the homage mm -hmm. to the symbol album with that you know and the fact that you know she's done 
you know, here's this high concept album, you know, here's 20 videos that go with it, you know, and I'm going to release it in this weird way. You're not just going to get the CD right away. Yeah. You know, this was all, you know, all that DNA is traced back to Prince. And I think this is one of the albums that the more I think about it and the more people have been talking about it this past week, I feel like this is, you know, something that, I mean, I think, it should be re-released. You know, I think it um, should get, you know, maybe a super deluxe edition. Yeah, this one definitely needs something. I mean, this was Prince's A Night at the Opera. You know, I mean, it it had everything on it. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, yeah, there was... was it was around the time when people really stopped caring whatever it was, you know, whatever you do with the LP, that's fine. But it was still kind of tracked with an LP in mind to where if you, I'm sure everybody who, who listens to, to your show is very uh, aware of Prince Vault. But so if you don't have access to the vinyl, um, you can look it up there and see how it, it broke down. And I, I always encourage people for anything that was originally released with a vinyl version, not where they've gone back and recreated a vinyl. So like the musicology vinyl, I'm kind of like, whatever, but the, the side mm-hmm. programs on this one, they just, they're just such a compact story. I mean, the, the first side is my name is Prince sexy MF and love to the nines. I mean, that's, that's a, a grabber three track set right there. And then side two is, you know, morning papers through sweet baby and kind of like tells this whole love story narrative arc. And it's just, everything is just so well crafted for the LP version that the CD, which more people were uh, aware of and had access to, you don't get that same experience Mm because with vinyl, you had that forced intermission where you had to physically, you know, move the arm flip it over mm. and you had that kind of that time in between to let that side program sink in and to really evaluate like oh, okay you know this this has some kind of feel to it that you don't get that with just the straight playlist which is a sad thing thing of uh where music consumption has gone today where if you have a 20 song playlist it's a playlist you, yeah, you don't. Yeah, you write those twenty songs either work together, or you've created a playlist that's good for a party, but there's not a break in between to kind of let people digest a certain portion of it before right. they listen to the next. Right. And with this album, is one of the last ones that he put out with an LP version that really does have that very succinctly and very well. I mean, like the the last side is, uh, I want to say it starts with seven and goes through sacrifice of Victor. There's a whole narrative there where, you know, seven is literally the video was the video is pretty much exactly what his mindset is supposed is supposed to have been when he was creating the song, you know, taking out all of his former selves so that he could be worthy to, to move forward and the way it ends with sacrifice of Victor, it's just a personal narrative that 
you don't get that that picture of it when you're listening to seven start immediately after the flow. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree, you know, it's, um, but I mean, he's always been like that where, yeah, you know, it's the thing to where he's not catching up to you. You're catching up to him. I mean, the, the hip hop stuff. Yeah. That's a little debatable with him more or less chasing the trend as opposed to the other way around. Mm. But I think the overall concept of the album, how it's packaged, you know, how it's produced, I think it kind of overshadows that. And, you know, it does give you a pretty good listening experience. Um, For me, like I said, because so much stuff was going on that year, 1992, fast forward about a year later when they dropped the video, the three chains of gold video. I kind of enjoy that context of it more than the actual album. Yeah. And three chains of gold is the better narrative as far as the concept goes, because it really expands on the rough draft that the original album was going to be and kind of fleshes out things that didn't, makes sense so to speak mm-hmm. in, in that original narrative it just kind of makes it more it's that three chains of gold video is is fantastic for you know for being a series of music videos but it, it it's a good compliment to the to the album and if an sde comes out of it man i hope they put that on there and i hope my day is okay with them putting that on there for for those that haven't seen it there's there's a different reason why she might not be yeah i i think this one would be a different yeah type of a super deluxe because it is so immersive because you just have the the audio you've got the three chains of gold and i think those things should be bundled together with that so again the state if you're listening you know that's another free idea you know we'll take a few purple ducats few purple croutons some free discs (laughs) but that'll be it for the the symbol album uh what do you guys think of it is it one of your favorites um leave us a comment and let me know your thoughts and then we're gonna end this episode with a few quick words on an album that didn't get released so this will be our spotlight segment And today we're going to briefly talk about the High album. And I'll let Rain take this over. This is his area of expertise. So you got a few quick thoughts on the High album. Yeah, to me, the High album is the Camille of the the whole um, the artist formerly known as known as Prince era, even though it was going to be the first one released as Prince, all the music was kind of the, the, the culmination of the musical style that he had started to kind of cultivate from emancipation on. I mean, it's just such a great, great collection of music. We kind of know what order the songs were supposed to be in there's a few different track lists out there. They're the same songs, but they're, they're in slightly different orders. Um, 
you know, what one of the highlights is just you make my sunshine where yeah. that duet with Angie Stone is just that gets me every time. You know, he, he had millennia doing the backup vocals, basically taking the, the place of what the steels were doing in the early nineties. And most of that song is even just Angie Stone in the in the in Millennia, yeah, singing Griffin, yeah, <laughs> and it just I, I I'm gonna sound a million years saying this, but like it gets you right in the feels, like right for that last half of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah, it takes church. <laughs> the radio edit version where they cut out the ending, uh, choral call and response back and forth whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it it's not yeah. exactly call and response but it, yeah like the way the edit chops that off is just such a travesty like, yeah you have to hear it's just it. so powerful and when i lay my hands on you when he's perfectly aping carlos santana playing the guitar which i can go on forever about it but he he was more influenced by santana than Jimi hendrix i Oh yeah, like, definitely, definitely. I always felt like the Hendrix comparison was just lazy. Yeah. And for all the wrong reasons. But he it sounds exactly like he has Carlos Santana playing on the record. And sure, maybe sometime in the future we'll find out. Well, he actually did have Carlos lay down a track, but you know, I'm I'm just riffing there. I don't think he actually did. I think it's it's probably just him playing Habibi. Oh yeah. Or or probably even just the the Mad Cat. But it's perfect. You literally think you're listening to Carlos Santana playing on a Prince track when it's just him playing. Yeah. Yeah. And the Daisy chain is on there and that's great. Super cute. Camilla. Like I love that instrumental. It's just, it's just such a nice preamble to, to you make my sunshine to where it just kind of does the palate cleanser thing after Daisy chain and, yeah, it's just most all almost all of this music was released as the Chocolate Invasion, so it's out there. Um, yeah, and I, to... I think a couple tracks were released on Slaughterhouse, which those are two that really do need to be put out in some type of thing that people can purchase. But yeah, I thought uh, there was going to be kind of when Sony was dropping those kind of trilogy of reissues. I thought eventually they were going to get around to that, but oh, that was a whole thing that MPG. MC yeah. stuff was its own bucket and they didn't go with the commercial releases and it was just weird. Yeah. But yeah, the high album was so great. It had such potential and I know why it was shelved in favor of rainbow children. Cause he was going in a completely different direction and some of the music on high definitely is of a different state of mind than he was actively living at the time. But to me, this is the Camille of the, the later years yeah and you know hopefully they'll drop it as a maybe a record store release one day or yeah you know if they do i don't see it being a part of a rainbow children super deluxe but i mean that's a possibility too but um you know what do you guys think um you have you heard of this album um have you made a playlist based off of what's been released already you know, leave us a comment and let me know your thoughts. And now we got the clock ticking down on us. So we're going to end this episode today. Uh, Rain, thanks for definitely for coming on to the show. 
Yeah, I'm always happy to be here. Yeah, and of course you'll have his social media information in the in the show notes. So be sure to check him out. Um, the listen to Prince blog, definitely good educational reading. Joel, say I I am responsive to social media posts. I haven't been so active lately, just with I mean life, but. I'm definitely responsive if anybody ever shoots a message. Cool, cool. <laughs> All right. So I said once again, thanks for being part of the show. And we'll check you guys out next week out in the Purple Musical Singularity. So until then, create your day and create your life. Peace. Later days. <laughs> cool. <laughs>